My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Angela Marie McDougall, Rhiannon Bennett, and Jennifer Johnstone. Women Deliver is an international non-governmental organization focused on gender equality and women's rights. It's a big one. It spent nearly $20 million in 2019, its annual report boasts of many different kinds of activities in many countries, and it partners with governments, big foundations, and big corporations. This episode of Talking Radical Radio is not about Women Deliver. One of Women Deliver's regular activities is a massive international conference held once every three years. In 2019, supported by lots of money from the Canadian federal government, that conference was scheduled to bring more than 8,000 people and 2,500 organizations from 169 different countries together in Vancouver. Angela Marie McDougall is a Vancouver feminist who traces her ancestry to northern Sweden and to western Africa and she's the executive director of Battered Women's Support Services in Vancouver. She heard that Women Deliver was coming to town, so she investigated. She had some serious concerns about Women Deliver's approach, and found very little evidence of any substantive involvement in the conference from the vibrant local feminist community in Vancouver, particularly from those elements committed to grassroots, decolonial, and intersectional politics. This did not seem right. So she made some efforts to raise her concerns with people organizing and funding the conference, but they showed little interest in changing course. So then she started talking with other feminists in Vancouver, and many shared her concerns. Within a week after an initial meeting, they had a website, terms of reference, and buy-in from both individual grassroots feminists and a number of the city's important feminist organizations. They called themselves Feminists Deliver. Rhiannon Bennett and Jennifer Johnstone were two of the key people McDougall talked to. Bennett is a Musqueam woman and the decolonization and accountability consultant for Feminists Deliver. Along with the lack of engagement with local women-led organizations, she was disturbed that local indigenous nations, including her own, and questions of colonization were being treated as peripheral by the Women Deliver conference. Johnstone is a co-founder and co-chair of Feminists Deliver, and she is the CEO of the Central City Foundation, which has developed an ongoing collaboration with Feminists Deliver. Faced with serious concerns and rapid effective organizing from a diverse group of local feminists, governments quickly came to the table. They ended up funding Feminists Deliver to hold their own conference at the same time as Women Deliver. With that funding and lots of support from the Central City Foundation, Feminists Deliver put together a four-day conference and trade show highlighting grassroots, decolonial, and intersectional feminisms with a focus on local organizing. The first day happened to coincide with the release of the final report of the National Inquiry into Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls, which became a major focus of conversation and helped make it a particularly powerful event. In the wake of their successful conference, Feminists Deliver knew they wanted to continue working together, but they also knew they didn't want to found a new standalone organization. Instead, they've continued to collaborate as a sort of coalition. 
Much of what they've done in 2020 that has been publicly visible has been online public education events focused on things like anti-Asian racism, anti-black racism in Canada, decolonization in the Age of Reconciliation, and most recently one called Towards Liberation Beyond 21st Century Capitalism, featuring luminaries like Angela Davis, Pam Palmiter, Harsha Walia, and Erica Iffel. Feminist Deliver has understood the pandemic moment as particularly suited to political education work, both because of the way that other kinds of activities have been restricted, but also because of the crucial importance of developing a vision for recovery that is something other than a return to the prior oppressive normal. And much of what they've been up to has not been publicly visible at all. Maintaining and strengthening their collaboration has required lots of hard, time-consuming work to build relationships, learn from each other, and deepen their politics. As well, they've been busy developing a strategic plan that will guide their activities into 2021 and beyond. I speak with McDougall, Bennett, and John Stone about Feminists Deliver, and about their vision for grassroots, decolonial, and intersectional feminism. My dear friends and relatives, it's really great to be here. My name is Rhiannon Bennett. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm a member of the Musqueam Indian Band, and I am Feminist Deliver's Decolonization and Accountability Consultant. A pivotal moment in my trajectory was when Stephen Harper was found in contempt and was then promptly rewarded with a majority government. That's what really motivated me to get into rooms and motivated me to get onto the streets. And then in 2012, there was some development in my territory. Some of my ancestors' remains were disturbed in our village site of Sasnam. There was an effort to build a four- or five-story building on top of where some of my ancestors had been resting for a very long time. And our community came together, and we organized, and I spent hundreds of hours, months and months, sitting there holding vigil over the open graves of my ancestors. I became one of our community spokespeople for our organizing. We organized some fairly big marches and really worked really hard to protect our ancestors there. And I don't like to say we won, we won-ish. Our community ended up having to buy the land back from the developers and the property owners to protect the rest of our ancestors that were there. And then it's just sort of been saying yes and showing up and getting into places and making connections with people who were already doing the work. Hello, everyone. My name is Jennifer Johnstone. I am joining you from my home in Richmond, British Columbia, which is on the unceded occupied territories of the Musqueam. I am a settler Canadian and as such remain a guest on these lands and I'm grateful for the many years of resistance and labor that have protected these lands and these waters since the first sunrise. My activism began as a young girl in the late 60s, early 70s here in British Columbia. I have spent my life in critical self-reflection and fierce opposition to the harmful ideas that breed or support or maintain injustice in our world. And I've spent my life confronting the institutions and systems that embody those harmful ideas. Do they white supremacy, patriarchy, colonialism? And I have never been interested in living my life in service to capital. My formal work here in Vancouver started in 1990 when I went to work for the Vancouver Status of Women. And since then, I have been engaged in lots of different ways to foster the building of a movement of women and girls and like-minded progressive folks who want to struggle together to change the systems that we live in. 
to decolonize first myself and then to work to decolonize the structures and systems that I work and live in, as well as understanding both the material impact and struggling against the intersectional oppression of women in our community. And almost 25 years ago, I had the opportunity to work with Angela at the Battered Women Support Services and began a rest of our lives connection of work and friendship in this struggle together. I am currently the president and CEO of the Central City Foundation, and I am one of the co-founders and co-chairs of Feminist Deliver. Hello, everyone. My name is Angela Marie McDougall, and I am here in these unceded and unsurrendered ancestral territory of the Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Musqueam people. My ancestors don't come from this land that we now call Canada. My ancestors come by way of northern Sweden and western Africa. I was born in Vancouver, and Vancouver is the only home that I've known. I became politicized on ending gender-based violence at the birth of my daughter. My formal education was in counseling psychology, and I wanted to help people heal. And the birth of my daughter politicized me in large part because I recognized the amount of racist, misogynist violence that was in my community and that I experienced and that those around me experienced and my mother and my grandmother. And I wanted to be in a world where it was going to be different. And I knew that a big part of that was going to have to be me. Two years later, my high school friend, Patricia Ann McPherson, was raped and murdered by a young man that we all knew. And her murder was the next event that galvanized my commitment to addressing male violence, gender-based violence. I oriented myself from that point forward to build my life around changing the world for women from an intersectional point of view. It became so clear to me as a Black girl growing up in Vancouver and experiencing a lot of racism as a child and as a young woman, that there was something else going on within the community, and that was the relationship that the settler state had with Indigenous people. And so to really question the making of Canada as a nation and looking at the roots of systemic and institutional inequities, and later began to develop a language around that, which is the understanding of colonization and the role of colonization here in Canada. Canada, but around the world, combined with the enslavement of Africans and the very unique experiences, the enslavement of Africans and the relationship that Black people have with the Americas, in particular Canada. My work in a formal sense is with Battered Women Support Services, where I am the executive director and I'm co-founder and co-chair of Feminist Deliver. And Feminist Deliver came together in 2018, and now we have the involvement of 25 organizations spanning many disciplines, and we're working toward and around an intersectional equity effort, which is rooted in decolonization and anti-oppression. And we came together back in 2018 on account of the International Conference, which is known as Women Deliver. And we did that in many ways to make visible the necessity of a community-based response and grassroots organizing here in this region as a contrast to some of what we see in international organizing and the necessity to have change growing from the grassroots and the grass tops. It's worth a Google to kind of understand what Women Deliver is as an international organization. They build themselves as the largest women's organization in the world that's looking at women's issues around the world. 
When I heard that Women Deliver was coming to Vancouver and it was promoted by the Canadian federal government and knowing how strong the women's movement is, the effort to address gender-based violence from an intersectional point of view, all of the work that's done around missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls through the February 14th Women's Memorial March started in 1992. So when I saw that happening, you know, this international conference coming through the federal government to this community that has strong activists and leaders and organizations without any engagement or meaningful engagement, I was just a tad perturbed and started to attempt to change that and, you know, wanting to talk with the folks that were organizing on the federal level. To no surprise to anybody who ever tried to deal with federal government, they were not interested in changing their trajectory. They had their plan. So I started to talk to others and just say, listen, this group is coming to town. And we started Feminist Deliver in a day. We had one meeting that then resulted in a website, and then we got our terms of reference and started signing on groups. And after a week, we had a full-blown entity. And I'll tell you, everybody on the Women Deliver side and the federal government, they sat up in their seats. They thought, oh, wait a minute, what's going on here? But that's the power of community-based organizing. That's what I wanted to do with respect to feminism. We're not necessarily stop Women Deliver, but to organize ourselves here I got a phone call from Angela, just sort of looping me in and letting me know about Women Deliver. When I went and looked at the work that they were doing, it was really, I don't know if there's any other word other than offensive to describe what this conference was. They were coming into my occupied territory, and yet again, my family, my people, the truth of these lands was largely invisible and not the center figure of the work being done. There is very little mention about ongoing effects of colonization. There was very little conversations about decolonization. And to see all of the amazing women-led organizations in the city effectively being shut out from this world platform was really quite offensive. There was some work that was done. Musqueam was part of the opening ceremonies. There was some great work that was done there. And then there was like the Indigenous stream of Women Deliver, but it was like a pre-conference. So there was all these people flown from all over the globe to come and talk, and my people were the pre-conference. It's just hard to constantly see that, that global erasure of Indigenous peoples. It's like on a global scale that the effects of colonization and the stories and struggles of Indigenous people are erased. And to see that this conference was coming into a colonized country and they weren't willing to center those conversations and those ideas and those struggles was really quite offensive to me. So I was an easy yes to come on board to participate and to join. In the early organizing with Angela, one of the things that I brought with me to this organizing because of where I am now is Central City Foundation, which is a different kind of foundation than many other community-based foundations in that we are led by our partnerships and connections with community and see our role really clearly as one of standing in solidarity with our community partners and offering more than what many check writing foundations do. And so the opportunity to support this consortium or collaboration of effort that led to the conference and has led to this ongoing collaboration at Feminist Deliver fit beautifully with where we're trying to go as a foundation and shared the outrage that both Angela and Brianna have mentioned in terms of looking at the plans around Women Deliver and the conference that they were planning here in our community without our community. What was your conference, the Feminist Deliver conference that you ultimately ended up organizing in response to Women Deliver, like? 
once everyone was sitting up in their seats and they realized that we had mobilized so quickly, then there was more effort from the federal government, the provincial government for sure, to then help us do the conference. So we received funding from the federal government, from the provincial government, you know, and lots and lots of support from Central City Foundation to host the conference. And we did a conference and trade show that was four days. We wanted to run the same time as Women Deliver. It was held at a repurposed building in Vancouver in the neighborhood known as Downtown Eastside. We started on June 3rd and ended on June 6th. Each day had its own theme. We had amazing keynote speakers. And June 3rd was also the day of the release of the report on Canada's National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls, the final report, and the call for justice. So we were able to start our event grounding it in the particular colonial violence that Indigenous women have been on the front line of since the making of Canada as a nation. One of the best parts about the conference actually was Rhiannon's facilitation. Rhiannon held the space for those days and worked through the incredible content, but also all of the different issues and factors and challenges that popped up each day and applied it as a learning and as a growing and as a truly inspirational space for how communities can work together to redress inequity. I'm really passionate about recognizing the similarities. It's the same systems that are harming all of us. And when we link arms and stand in the struggle shoulder to shoulder, we're so much stronger. And I really hope that that was a lot of message that was received from people that spent time with us. Reconciliation, or whatever we want to call it, is messy. And it's hard work. And people need to sit in the mess and sit in the discomfort because Nothing changes from a place of comfort. We're all going to need to get a little bit uncomfortable to sit and sort through all of this together. Running it simultaneously as Women Deliver was really powerful as well. I heard some feedback from a number of folks in the crowd that they were supposed to be over at Women Deliver, but they popped over just to check us out and they never went back. The feel from one conference to the other was so incredibly different. Our volunteers and our organizers and our working committee created such an incredibly powerful space. I kept using words like unprecedented when I talk about the conference in terms of what took place over those four days and really was remarkable to see all of us stay rooted in those shared values to approach all the work that went on those four days from that decolonizing intersectional and anti-oppression approach. There's never been a conference like that, certainly not in our country before that. And I think that's what we came away from was seeing the power of that coming together and organizing around those core values and what that could look like. And exhausted, because we pulled it all together in less than two months from when we pressed go until we held that conference. What has the work of Feminist Deliver looked like since that original 2019 conference? The idea of moving into our next phase post-conference has been a really careful one. What we didn't want to necessarily become was another entity, not another nonprofit rather to build on the lessons and to continue to grow ourselves in the analysis and in the approach and also to help advance these ideas within the feminist community. So we have been doing internal work and alongside of that, we've been hosting webinars, webinars that assist us in our understanding of issues and then also to share with the larger community. One was specifically around looking at anti-Asian racism. So 
from a decolonial perspective, that was right around the time that COVID-19 was hitting and there was all of the anti-Asian sentiment that had flared up in the community. It had been there all along, but it, you know there was violent attacks that Asian people were experiencing. And then we moved quickly into looking at anti-Black racism in Canada and had a panel discussion. This was on the heels of the killing of George Floyd and how much racism but anti-Black racism specifically, the United States is so egregious and gives Canada so much cover. And so we were able to give more historical context to Black experience through that webinar. We also facilitated a webinar, Decolonization in the Age of Reconciliation, I believe was its title, talking about decolonization, what it means in regards to reconciliation. And we were able to shift that conversation back to like, what is reconciliation? Is it even a thing? These webinars are all so incredibly powerful. We had some really great speakers and amazing conversations. And there are things that nobody else is talking about. And these are important conversations that need to be had. One of the remarkable things that's happening at Feminist Deliverance is the conversations that we're having about shaping a different vision of the future. We're living in a time where there are very few leaders out there who have any sort of a coherent vision of a future for humanity. And I think that the work that is taking place in these conversations that began at the conference and beyond is really trying to articulate what that decolonized, intersectional, anti-oppressive future could look like. And so our next conversation is digging deeper into understanding how our world has been organized in service to white supremacy and colonialism, but also capitalism and understanding how we can continue in that conversation about how we can organize our world in service to people and values of equity and inclusion rather than in service to capital. Uh, the event that John Stone is about to describe has since taken place. You can find a recording of it on the Feminist Deliver YouTube channel. And so our next session, entitled Toward Liberation, Evolving Beyond 21st Century Capitalism, brings together Dr. Angela Davis and Dr. Pamela Palmiter, Erica Ifill, and Harsha Walia, and will be led and moderated by Angela and Trianon. I know that it will be another groundbreaking conversation and really thought-provoking in a way that will lead us closer to articulating that vision. And then we have, over the course of the last few months, spent some intense time on a plan to move forward within Feminist Deliver and to continue our work of movement building beyond our working group to contribute to that growing number of progressive social movements that are out there that are coming together in this time to try to shape a different future for us and for this planet. These webinars came from conversations that we were having and really wanting to utilize this opportunity. As everyone has sort of slowed down through COVID and all of the inequity in the world is glaring in so many people's faces, we really wanted to make sure that we don't let up, that we keep pushing and driving for that change because we can't go back to normal. That was really one of the motivators of us putting the time and effort and energy into planning these series of webinars was just that we want to make sure that we're inspiring and motivating people to keep pressure on for change because there's a lot of talk about reopening the economy and things returning to normal and normal was harming a lot of people and we shouldn't aspire to return to that. We should all really be aspiring to be better and to be more caring and to be more kind and to be more helpful. And one of the things that we need to do in that process is recognizing where the harm is coming from. And the harm is coming from white supremacy, capitalism, the patriarchy, imperialism, 
those are some of the big underlying systems that we need to address and we need to name them and have people become more aware of them. Because we can't just knife all of this away. We can't just be all of a sudden, we're all the same, we're all equal, everything's going to be okay, let's just all put it all behind us and go forward. Well, that's not what's going to lift us out of this. We need to name it and address it. I think we've learned more about the kind of time and commitment and the deep relationship building that is key to working together in a collaborative or consortium where we're trying to do it without creating a new organization or institution, but to come together from our existing organizations or as individuals to do this work. And that it requires a lot of time and a lot of conversations and a consistent return to principles and values on an ongoing basis and providing opportunities for us to have that conversation to deepen our learning together, as well as a commitment on the part of each individual for learning and growth. And it takes resources. To make change in this world requires money and resources, and that's a big part of what we've learned is how to secure those and to make this happen. Coalition building is so critically important for advocacy. And though I don't think the coalition building is the same as necessarily grassroots organizing, they are so connected in how we've been working. So we are a coalition of organizations and individuals, however, with a lot of involvement in grassroots organizing. So we represent lots of individuals and lots of individuals are a part of our networks. We've been learning on the fly and applying knowledge as quickly as we can while each and every one of us within our organizations, within our lives, are dealing with all of those social challenges of the effects of the lockdown. So what I'm learning in that is the necessity of continuing to stay the course and to find ongoing ways to build the coalition and to engage you know, the grassroots We're seeing so much of that happening right now around Black Lives Matter. We're seeing it with land back. These are grassroots organizing that are not going away. And feminist members are part of that. What are you able to say at this point about what's coming up for Feminist Deliver? We have a strategic plan that we are deploying. That plan is to build our internal capacity to strengthen our analysis our understanding of decolonization of anti-oppression, and then how to advance that through our work and then through the broader society and through our systemic advocacy. We're working our way through that right now. And what's really fun is that we've got our members, and we're trying to figure out how to do this as we're in the middle here, but we've got many other folks that want to figure out how they can get involved. There's lots of conversations about normal and what is normal and going back to normal. And, and, you know, we are really shaping a vision for what it could be. Canada, I think, is, you know, possibly looking at another economic, I mean, parts of Europe are now shutting down their economy again, quote unquote. You know, like the idea of this particular model that we have right now isn't serving people and it's not sustainable. And I know that Feminist Delivers, building our internal capacity around understanding what a world could be like and how to get us there. You have been listening to my interview with Angela Marie McDougall, Rhiannon Bennett, and Jennifer Johnstone of Feminists Deliver. To learn more about the group, go to feministdeliver.com. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. 
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. Yeah.